Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Before we get into today's helpful episode, I have a little favor to ask you. Can you make sure to go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review Fighting Memories? This is the best way for new people to find the show, and I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist. And also, pop over to the website feigningmemoriespodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. Now that I'm into year two, I've got some exciting things coming out that I would like to share with you, and I don't always have to be yakking in your ear to do that. So if you do those two things, I'd really love it. Now, on to today's show. Well, thank you. I've been looking forward to our talk because reading your blog and your social media posts. I'm like, oh, I totally need to talk to her. Oh, and you know, and I, I, for me, this is, it's been a calling, you know, I'm, 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 I got into it because of a neighbor. I don't have a family member who's experiencing dementia. That was, I read that and I was going to ask you that. So you're only the second guest in a year that hasn't had a direct family link to Alzheimer's or dementia. So more power to you because I don't think I'd choose this path <laughs> if it wasn't chosen for yeah, me. Well, but you know, it's like anything in life. When when you work, when you figure out what works and you work with it, it goes easier. And 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 once I saw and you know everything I'm doing, I learned from these people that I worked with, my neighbors who became my friends, who became like. Well, let me introduce you because we didn't do okay. that. <laughs> Your name is Judy. Oh, you better do the last name because now I'm going to get it wrong. It's Judy Cornish. (laughs) Cornish, there we go. And you have developed what you call the Dawn Method? Yeah, um, the Dawn Method came, it's what I learned from my friends and neighbors when I started working with people who were experiencing dementia. So why don't you tell the listeners that story so we can get them caught up to where I'm at? Yeah, well, so, so I'm actually an elder law attorney who thought she was retiring in the little town of Moscow, Idaho, from practicing elder law in, in Oregon. And, and so I, I, you know, I spent about six months becoming a member of the, the bar in Idaho, and, and so I thought I'd be working about, well, I don't know, seriously, I thought I'd work 10 to 20 hours a month. And, and as I was getting to know the local attorneys in the local bar, um, and, and I, you know, I hadn't even bought a house or anything yet, and this one of the neighbors came across the street to talk to my landlord. And, and she was saying, you know, mom keeps losing the car, and, and she, she raised us in that house, and, and you know, she's been there over 50 years, and, but we're going to have to move her into a facility. And you know, when I heard that, I, I, I said, you know, I'm not working, and and why don't I just go? If she needs to go to get groceries, she can come with me. You know, if she loses a car, I'll help her find her car. And and if she wants to, and she wants to go swimming, oh, okay, I don't mind. I'll take her swimming. And and so you know, all the things, and and it began that way. And within two weeks, I think I had three parents uh, because you know it's a small town, and so the kids of the first neighbor said. 
you know, told their friends. And then I'd get a phone call and be like, oh, we hear you're looking after so-and-so's mom. Can you look after a dad? You know, and within two months, I thought, you know, goodness, I think I might have created a business. Uh, something called dementia care, because, you know, these are all people who are just confused because they've lost memory and they've lost the ability to use certain thinking skills. And so I wonder how you form a business. And, you know, and I Googled it and, and it, it worked out. It looked like it was a business. And so then I started to think about and I had to hire people to help me. So, you know, that's how it began. That was 2010. Um, so I still have the little uh, care business called Toulouse Dementia Care, which is right here in Moscow, Idaho. Um, and I have staff and, and we help families uh, with loved ones. Many of these people live at home alone and we do the best we can to, to help people age in place and live in their own homes for as long as they can. Um, and, and there's reasons why that works best with dementia. But, um, and then since then, I've created, when, when I, re, you know, over the years, as I trained my staff and I, I trained, tried, started trying to train the families of, of my clients um, to do the same things I was doing. And um, so I had to learn how to use PowerPoint and then I had to learn how to teach and then I had to learn how to record and, you know, and all of that, you, you just keep learning it as you go um, to meet needs. And, um, and then... And then I realized that I really needed to write a book. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and other than like writing at college, you know, I'd never written anything. But I sat down, wrote a book. It took me about four months to write it. And then it took three years to publish it. So, um, and actually the first book I published was the Dementia Handbook, How to Provide Dementia Care at Home. And it's just a really short little book. Um, because I just wanted to explain the philosophy behind the secret of how to work with dementia, you know, how to, how to understand what people's skills are and their strengths are um, so you can support them. And uh, so I've published that little book first. And then the second book is Dementia with Dignity. And that one came out in January. And it's, um, it's funny because, you know, I just, I thought I was just trying to help families right here in the United States, but you know, I've, I've had in, people are buying my training program, the little online subscription. Um, it's in, in Indonesia, in India. It's being used in India. Um, and the books have been selling in Asia. Um, I, and right now, actually, I'm, I've I heard from, I, I guess it was the, it, it, in, in Korea, in South Korea. They're, I'm working with a neurologist in a university there that want to translate the, the book into Korean. So... Yeah, there's just so wow. much going on, but the need is so great, and and we do, you know, it is an epidemic of uh, of dementia, and, and primarily Alzheimer's type of dementia here in the United States. But it's worldwide, and it's not just because we have an aging population, and and the need is there. And every you know everyone who contacts me, I think people primarily really want to know. How can I support my loved one? How can I make life easier for her or for him? And, and how can I be a better caregiver? And, and, and how can I do it so that I don't just fall apart under the stress of trying to deal with somebody who's no longer using all the usual thinking skills and, and memory skills and attention skills? So that was... Yeah, like 
I I told you, you know, my mom is 76 and she's definitely in the later stages of dementia. And I, when my father passed away, I was 50. I'm 52 now. My sister's almost 48. She still has school age children. So, you know, my dad's assumption that she'd come live with me was very foolhardy. I've mentioned that before. And I don't have the patience it's just not in me. I have one child. There's a reason for it. <laughs> That's what I tell people. It's like, yeah. she was pretty easy baby. You know, we went through some of the stages that aren't yeah. fun, t- two, 13 and all that stuff. But you always knew, well, they'll outgrow the terrible twos yeah. and the snotty 13 year old yeah. stages. And, yeah. you know, I just, it was easy to kind of say this, this too shall pass. Right. And with caregiving, this too shall get worse. And that's, and that's what I think is the hardest thing for us. And, and I, you know, I really think this is part of our um, cultural uh, perception of the world. And as Americans, you know, we really are used to things improving. And if you think about all of your relationships, like raising a child, um, you know, interpersonal relationship, friendships, partnerships, or spouses, we, we always improve, we always learn, we always grow, you know, we always develop more skills and get better at living. And now all of a sudden you're, you're trying to spend time with somebody and for the first time in your life, it's the opposite. And this person's not improving, they're getting worse. And they're not, they're not gaining skills, cognitive skills and thinking skills, they're losing them. And so we can't help but, you know, be, be really dismayed by it and, and find it incredibly stressful. But, you know, I'm not a patient person at all. <laughs> you ask my kids or you ask anybody in my life, my girlfriends will tell you that I am not patient. And, and yet, you know, these, when I first started working with my very first client, and I can't name her, you know, she's, she was a very private person, a lovely woman. Um, and her family don't don't want her life to be made public. And so, um, but when I first began working with her, I, you know, as there's there's a pattern. And and I, um, how much time do you and I have to talk? Because if we're talking about dementia, I can go for an hour. <laughs> that happens to probably eighty percent, maybe even ninety percent of my conversations. I think, oh, forty-five minutes to an hour, and sometimes they're an hour and a half, two hours, which makes for a very, very long episode. It so does. it's too much. We could be done at twelve thirty. That'd be great. <laughs> so I'm going to try to not give you too much detail because when I teach my training program, it's twelve hours to all told. It's eight one and a half hours classes. And so, you know, each of the Dawn tools, there's, you know, and we, I use a flower for a meta, for the metaphor because it's, if you're working with dementia, it becomes a thing of beauty and you're actually focusing on beauty and bringing beauty into the person's life. And that's the key. And, 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 you know, I can, I, I don't know what direction we want to go on this, but when I first began spending time with this lovely woman who lived across the street from me, um, I, there was a pattern in the, the way she was losing skills and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I kept trying to figure out, you know, like, I recognize this. She's upset and, and you know, she, her behavior is changing and she's making these really strange decisions and wanting to do very strange things. And, and then I, you know, I suddenly realized one night, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night with an aha moment <laughs> and it was like, oh, I get it. 
the exact opposite of what happened to me when I ended up going to law school on short notice is now happening to her. Now, and if that doesn't sound bizarre, <laughs> and yet, you know, I, I had gone from my, um, all my life I've been involved with art, music, literature. My undergraduate degree is in literature and language acquisition. And, and that's all very, it, it, it requires intuitive thinking skills. And so I was interacting with the world primarily with my intuitive thinking skills. And then I didn't want, I had a scholarship for graduate school and, and no money, you know, really poor. And so all of a sudden I found out I'm going to lose a scholarship. And in the space of three weeks, I ended up in, in law school. It was horrifying. <laughs> it was the most, uh, you know, emotionally uh, uncomfortable experience that I've ever had because all of a sudden all of my and all of my thinking patterns no longer worked you know if you think about yeah if you think about law school that's where where you learn rational thinking skills and you know it's it's identify the facts identify the issues apply the law and get a result and then argue it and and you know, that is not how you interact with the world using intuitive skills. And so all of a sudden, I couldn't do what I used to be able to do so naturally. And everybody around me expected me to use different thinking skills. And, and so I had this aha moment in the middle of the night, about eight months into beginning to work with people with dementia. And I realized, oh, they're losing rational thinking skills they still have intuitive thinking skills. They're not very good at using just intuitive thinking skills. Everybody around them is confused by this and expects them to continue to be rational. And so they're really upset. And <laughs> It's no fun. And so it's no fun to be with them and it's no fun to be them. And so, you know, it's, I think, you know, for me, and that's what, once I saw that first pattern, the next pattern I saw was, you know, it's like we have two selves. We have the self who is right here, right now, experiencing this. You and me are our experiential selves are right now here, you know, talking with each other. And yet you and I both also have remembering selves, which allow us to go into the past. So, so right at this moment, I'm using rational thinking skills to organize what I want to say, but I'm also using my memory, my remembering self to go into the past and recall what I need to say. And, and so, yeah, now in that, that took me like two years to figure that one out. You know, I'd worked with probably 40 or 50 people before that, that one clicked for me. And I all of a sudden I realized, oh, you know, when, when somebody says, oh, it doesn't matter because she won't remember it anyways. Well, that is not true <laughs> because she will experience it. Your loved one, if somebody's experiencing dementia and they don't have memory, they still have the, the experiential self. So they experience everything. They react to everything they experience. You know, it doesn't matter if we can remember what happened or not. We still experience it. And yeah. True. That makes me feel better about yeah. taking mom out for little. I try to take her out on Mondays for any kind of little oh, adventure. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's getting trickier because as I mentioned in our email, her visual processing is not yeah. great. <laughs> so, so that's close up and that's, you know, that's um, the brain stops interpreting what it receives as information, but does she, how's her, her, her distance interpretation of what she sees 
Um, I don't think it's good because yesterday was interesting. I show up. I always, I go after, um, my husband and I are Rotarians. So I go on Mondays after our Rotary meeting and it's generally anywhere from two o'clock to three o'clock that I show up, depending on if I've got some errands to do. So it's fairly consistent. I show up yesterday and the, the, staff sees me and they're like oh your mom's not here and I'm like what, <laughs> what do you mean what she do? yeah she bust right, out yeah. <laughs> apparently she had gone on their little bus oh, trip cool. which I haven't figured out exactly what they did because I can't get her no. to tell yeah. me in any kind of rational yeah. <laughs> logical right. way but I was like oh I didn't know she ever did that that's great I was very happy that she yeah. did that and they said, yeah, they normally go on Wednesdays, but for some reason they couldn't go Wednesday. So they're going, they went Monday. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, hmm. And they said, well, they should be back by three o'clock. And it was about 2.25. So I'm like, yeah. hmm. I'm like, I know the rest of my week is insane. So if I didn't stay and spend a little time with her yesterday, yeah. it wasn't going to be till mm-hmm. next week. So I, I stayed and we ended up sitting in the courtyard of the assisted living part of the residence, mm-hmm. the the memory care has an enclosed courtyard that's really nice and beautiful, but I needed some iced tea, so we wandered over to the dining room of the assisted yeah. living side, got some tea, sat outside because it's supposed to be 90 degrees today oh, no. in California. <laughs> we're thrilled that we're in the 50s up here. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of where we were about a week and a half ago. It was raining, and then whoop, yeah. you know, and that's supposed to be in the mid-70s after, like, Friday and on so it's we have that little spike of heat in the middle of our spring and then it's just kind of like a warning it's It's coming coming. (laughs) yeah the heat's coming brace make sure your shorts fit so we're sitting in the courtyard and they have one of those like little spinning like a pinwheel but it's a flower and I said you know because she kept saying how nice it was and how pretty it was and so I thought well let me try to divert some of the same conversation. And I said, Oh, look at the blue spinning flower. And it was spinning fairly quickly. And she's looking and I'm watching her and I have lazy eye, which I've had since Mm -hmm. I was born. So I don't have depth perception. So I know what it looks like when somebody's like, Oh, look over there. And you're like, where? (laughs) And I don't think she ever figured out what I was talking about. And the other interesting visual um, issue. And this was also kind of more of a, I'm not really sure how to describe it, but my aunt went and saw mom on mm-hmm. Easter and there was a vase of flowers on the table between the two chairs. And I said, she's, she kept trying to move it. And I said, well, why don't you put it on the dresser? And I'm pointing at the dresser. It's literally next to her, slightly behind her yep. shoulder. I mean, it's literally, she could probably reach out and touch it if yep. she had tried. And she never did figure out where the dang dresser was. And I'm like, well, I don't understand but, because, you know, it could be, she didn't know the word dresser anymore. So she didn't know what you were talking about. That's very yeah. likely because that's kind of what it seemed like. And she did make the comment, something to the effect of, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And, and we forget that, that, that part of losing your um, rational thinking skills and your memory is you lose knowledge of what words mean. So, so basically you stop um, knowing uh, languages, and I and I always see people losing the languages they acquired later in life first, and then they go back to the childhood language, and but then they gradually lose that too. But you know, like like we had a client uh, when I, I took in a family here, and they told us um, 
yes, we, you know, we really need help. Dad's getting worn out. Mom's dementia is progressing. And she, we have a real problem with toileting and she just won't go to the bathroom. And, and so, you know, I, I go over to do the home study and I'm sitting there with husband and wife and, and he keeps turning to her and saying, darling, do you need to use the bathroom? Would you like to go? You haven't gone. Would you like to go to the bathroom? Do you need to go use the toilet? And each time he says this to her, she, she looks at him and she looks a little dismayed and she says, no, no. And, and so he turns to me and he says, see, she won't use the bathroom. And, and I looked at her and I thought, no, wait a minute. She doesn't know what you're talking about. She doesn't know what the word bathroom means. She doesn't know what you want her to do. She doesn't know what the word toilet means, let alone toileting. And so, so when, when I sent the caregiver, my care, caregiver goes the first time and she, um, you know, she sees the same interaction with the, the couple. And she says to the woman, hey, um, I'm a hairdresser. Wait, come, come down the hall with me to, to the mirror and let me fix your hair. And then so they go, and the woman's like, sure. And she follows her down the hall and, and Sherry fixes her hair for her. And, and then Sherry says, oh, I'll step out for a minute and give you some privacy. And the woman says, thank you. And, and she uses the bathroom. She comes back out. And so, you know, this is the situation where when people lose the knowledge of what words mean and they say no, what they're often saying is, no, I don't know what you're talking about, but they don't know how to say all of that. You know, no, I don't understand your words. No, I don't like being embarrassed. No, no, I don't like being put on the spot like this. And, and no, I don't, I don't like feeling uncomfortable. And so, you know, we, we, you say to somebody, hey, what do you feel like, tea or coffee? Well, maybe they don't know what tea means and what coffee means anymore. And so they say, nothing, thanks, or I'll have what you're having. Oh, my mom's good See, she's in She's in follow the leader stage then. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of helpful to know because yeah. you've had this experience with dozens of people. My experience is one. Probably about 100, 150 people. Oh, my gracious. That's... Yeah, but see, that... <laughs> That exhausts me just thinking oh, about it. You know, I, I have to tell you, and, and I said this when I was doing my TEDx tryouts, and, and I got the biggest laugh in, in all the auditions. But, you know, I, I have had more fun with people who are experiencing dementia than ever before in my life with anybody. They, it is just a wonderful thing to spend time with someone who is living intuitively. It is thrilling to be with somebody who lives intuitively and, and can't venture into the past and can't venture into the future. But you have to know that's what you're doing and you have to know that's where they live in, in order for it to be beautiful. But, um, you know, and, I, and at my TEDx, I said, but, you know, of course, the decade prior, I'd been hanging out with lawyers. So maybe that was why I thought it was so great. But, you know, now it's been a decade. And honestly... When you see the pattern, when you understand the person's strengths and their skills, it's wonderful to spend time with somebody who is totally dialed into beauty. But, you know, for your mom, so maybe for your mom, visual beauty is beyond her reach now. But Well, she does appreciate, we're really blessed. There are two regional parks. Mm -hmm. One of them, no, yeah, they're both regional. And... We're in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we've got a big mountain behind my house oh, here. Wow. It's kind of the center of our county. Yeah. And 
you know, my side of the mountain is slightly different than the other side visually, but we go to the, um, it's called black diamond mines regional preserves. It was, um, was a mining town, uh, 150, maybe getting closer to 200 years ago. My math's not so good. And I can't remember when it ended. So there's, it's, there's a fairly decent walking path up to the mine, which is not open on Mondays, although it might be on Memorial Day. So I'll have to check. And she loves going there. She loves to look at the sky and the tree. And surprisingly, the mountain was actually created between earthquakes, but also volcanic. So some of the hills are very sharply angled up they're not all just rolling nice little hills they're the terrain is very interesting to look at so we go there a lot um we were there about a month ago and it was sunny it was very it was a beautiful day and it was sunny and she is literally trying to avoid the shadows of the branches on the ground and tippy-toeing around them as if they are hazardous like branches exactly and then we went like two weeks after that and it was cloudy and she walked a lot better and I don't care if she's tippy-toeing around the shadows it's just that she literally walks bent over looking at her feet and I know that's a really good way to fall so I tell her oh hey look at the bird up there oh look at that tree I'm always pointing up oh look there that way she's at least looking up and often enough that I just, I just picture this little old lady. She's literally walking bent over in an L, just toppling over on her noggin. And she doesn't So the other thing you can do is say, oh, mom, you know what? All these shadows, this dark spots, they kind of make me nervous. Do you mind, would you hold my arm so that we could walk holding arms and walk together? So you ask, ask can, her to help you. So, Yeah, I can try yeah. that because she does not remember I am no. her daughter. Yeah. So she does not like to hold my hand because we're not super, right. you know, touchy feely that way. I mean, we're not standoffish, but you wouldn't go grabbing your friend's hand unless you were afraid or you were about to fall. Me. So she doesn't no, do that lock with arms. Go for elbows. That's that's not quite as personal and intimate. And and knowing who you are, knowing your relationship, knowing your name, all and knowing your visual appearance, all of that is is factual information and is involved with their memory skills. You know, so we go. Well, that's that's what's interesting because I I have a past guest that episode hasn't come out yet. Her theory, and I don't disagree with it a hundred percent, is that they don't lose the ability. They don't lose the memory of you. They lose the ability, the language skills to verbalize this is my daughter Jennifer or this is my daughter Jeanette I don't look the way I did 10 years ago at all I lost 100 pounds so her if she has a past memory of her oldest daughter it doesn't look like this person who's claiming to be her oldest daughter standing in front of her because she does remember my sister just super frustrating because I'm the oldest. It's like, oh, of course there's a favorite. Right? <laughs> no, no, that's not favoritism at all. But it, yeah, in any relationship. That was my first reaction yeah. Yeah. until I figured out I don't look the way I did 10 years ago. Yeah. And even 10 years ago, she wasn't yeah. good. Well, you know, because my daughter graduated from high school 10 years ago. So yeah. it's easy to remember where my mom was right. at. I mean, she was definitely 100% better than yeah. today. Um, but I was very interested. I was reading on your blog. 
that you, when you were talking about it is living intuitively and not to try to get them to use rational yeah. thinking. So Doesn't how can you give yeah. us, yeah, give, tell me, you know, especially for those of us who are dealing with people in the later stages, um, how do we do that? Well, how do we recognize, okay, she can't use rational thought, which I'm sure that's the case with my mm-hmm. mom and her friend in the residence who has declined very mm-hmm. quickly. Everybody's different. I actually had to shut her down the other day because she came in my mom's room, not screaming, but frantically speaking that, you know, first she started on how her father-in-law had passed away. And then she's telling me my mom's, my grandfather my mom's father-in-law. She's like, your father-in-law passed away. Yesterday. We got to yeah. do little. And I finally was like, uh-uh, nope, you're wrong. Because <laughs> she was trying to wind my mom up. And my, yeah. um, her father-in-law, my paternal grandfather died in 1997. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't need to dredge up any. Well, you know, I, and I go into detail on this in my books. My first reaction is like, absolutely validate the woman's grief and concern and redirect her away from your mom. Um, but, you know, to live intuitively. Okay, so we as Americans, um, and I, I was educated in Canada, and then I emigrated here to marry a, um, a Californian. And so um, we, I have found, you know, I grew up in Canada, I studied Greek philosophers and mythology and culture and all of this kind of thing in grade school. And, and then I come here and I find out that that wasn't part of the educational curriculum. And so thinking about ourselves as having Uh, two completely different thought systems is not something that is normal and natural in America. Um, Thinking about ourselves as having two completely, you know, uh, psychological selves is not normal and natural in America. And thinking about mindfulness and mindlessness is not, again, something we are educated about in America. So, So the pattern of, of strengths in dementia is very simple. Um, it's these three dyads. But if you are going to know and recognize how to support your mom as she now must live in this intuitive world with her experiential self using the tools of mindlessness, then you have to recognize your own skills. And so so that's what my books do and that's what my training program does is I've, I've come to realize that what I'm really doing is educating all of us as people that that we've got two thought systems and that we've got rational thinking and we've got intuitive thinking. And it's not intuition, it's intuitive thinking. And it's a set of skills. And, and so with, when I lose rational thinking skills, I'll lose the ability to see cause and effect. I'll lose the ability to prioritize ideas and actions. And I'll lose the, the ability to see, perceive and follow sequences. And if my companions don't understand that I can't do those things anymore, they're going to be really frustrated, impatient, irritated, and exhausted by my new behavior pattern, which is going to be so inexplicable and unrational. And, you know, and and so, you know, you can save yourself a lot of stress just by recognizing what the rational thinking skills are that people lose. Um, So, I don't, you know, I'll talk forever, but do you want to? <laughs> well, want I think we'll, we'll do another episode I can give on. give an example, you know. Okay, okay. that's good. We still got like okay. half an okay. hour. So I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've got a client and it's northern Idaho. And if you look out the window, there's snow blowing sideways and there's drifts. 
and the car is out there in the driveway and I'm, I'm warming that thing up because I've been inside for half an hour and I have to go out and scrape the windshield. And so we're looking out the living room window and that's the scene outside inside, of course, it's 70 degrees. And so I'm trugging myself into my big, huge Eddie Bauer coat, you know, my bubble coat. And I say to my client, Hey, can I help you into your coat? Help you put your coat on. And she looks at me and she says, no, (laughs) I don't want to wear my coat. Okay. Why did she do that? Was she having a personality change due to dementia? Was she experiencing combative behaviors due to dementia? No, she's just a person just like me. Only she now no longer has cause and effect. So she's standing in a 70 degree living room. She's perfectly warm. She isn't cold at all. I can look out the window and see cause and effect. When I walk out, I will be cold. And when she looks out the window, she doesn't have cause and effect. She doesn't see any reason to wear a coat when she's warm. And so my response is, oh, no problem, but I'm so cold today. Do you mind if I take your coat too, along with mine? And she says, oh, yeah, sure. Because, you know, she's a loving, generous person. And so she says, yeah, sure, honey, you go ahead. So I've got her coat under my arm. We go out the front door. The door slams behind us. And she looks around and she goes, oh, my goodness, I'm cold. It's cold out here. Now, am I frustrated? No. I just say, oh, no problem. How about this? Do you want to wear this coat? And I help her put on her coat. And we go get in the car. You know? And so that is living without rational thinking skills. And, and that's me not getting stressed by what, if she had rational thinking skills, if she could see cause and effect, I'd have been frustrated because she was being difficult. Them. Yeah, I've, I've actually experienced that with my mom. And, you know, sometimes it can be very cold, but it's when you look out the window, it's sunny and it's bright and you think, oh, you know, it doesn't look so bad outside. And you go outside and it's like, whoa, okay, it's cold. <laughs> and it's pleasant where they are. And yeah, no so cause of that. Somebody, yeah. had, somebody had suggested you know, if she gives me a hard time about putting on her coat, which she did one day, I, I was just holding it up. I'm like, oh, here, yeah. I'll hold, you know, just yeah. helping as, as a polite person yeah. would do and gave me yeah. crap. And so I'm like, fine. So I just held on to it. And we, as soon as we were out the front door, she's like, man, it's cold out here. And I'm like, oh, well, would you like to wear this jacket? Yeah, exactly. Exact exactly. Yeah. And you see, the trouble is, so when, when you, two of you are indoors, and, and if I had turned to my client and said, now, don't be difficult. You can see it's snowy out there. It's cold out there. You know it is. I know best. Then she, being fully experiencing the moment, she would have looked at me and thought, who the heck do you think you are? I'm older than you. I know better than you. And I'm not cold. And, and then she'd have been irritated with me. And then I would have had an irritated person who didn't have rational thinking. And I would have had a mood problem. And so, so the, the thing to do is to recognize, you know, if you are blind, I don't get upset with you if you don't see me. If you are deaf, I don't get upset with you if you can't hear me. If you, you know, if you've got, um, if your legs are paralyzed, I'm not going to be upset with you if you need to sit in a wheelchair. You know, I'm going to help you function and do stuff and have a good time with me based on the skills you have. And so if you don't have memory and you can't see cause and effect and you can't prioritize, so you don't know what's important and what isn't, and you can't follow a sequence, 
then I shouldn't get upset with you for not being able to do those things. And, and if I don't, then we have a good time. So that makes sense. So I have a quick question. The last time we went to the regional park and the trail is fairly flat, but it does, you know, grade upward some, I said, well, we're going to be walking on the dirt path. Would you like to wear the tennis shoes? No, I'm right. fine. Yep. yep. Okay. So we're halfway up the path, and she's like, these aren't the right shoes for this. And I'm like, I knew I should have carried those with me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. But somebody had also suggested that, you know, it's like, just let her live in her decisions. I'm like, okay, but I got to live with them too. And so then the next time we went the day that it wasn't as sunny and I don't remember how I got her to put on the shoes. She does not have tennis shoes. So I just bring my old gym shoes, which she loves because they're very comfortable and it makes it easier for to walk. So since she doesn't, obviously she doesn't have cause and effect, you know, slip on old lady shoes is not good for walking on the trail. What do you suggest I do to politely get her into the proper shoes? She doesn't have that skill. She can't prioritize and she can't anticipate. She can't, she can't project and, and plan for and perceive the future because rational thinking skills is what gives us the ability to put two and two together and to get an outcome, you know, to understand why, all the why questions are answered by rational thinking skills. So you just let that go and, and, you, and, you know, just don't let it bother you because she's functioning beautifully with the skills she has. But, you know, the fun, if it's with, with someone who's experiencing dementia, you just have to, to accept the intuitive world. And, and it's like, um, it's like flipping a coin or something. Once you flip to the other side, it is fabulous. It is a wonderful vacation from the world of technology and rational thinking and, and remembering everything from the past. And there's a lot from the past that we carry as baggage that is not really pleasant to carry. And all of our anticipation of the future, there is a lot that we anticipate and we can't forget and we can't ignore because we have rational thinking skills that lead us to understand what's coming in the future. To be frozen in the present, you know, it's almost like a meditative state if your companions support that. And, and it's, what, it, it's where everything beautiful happens. And, and so if I'm thinking about intuitive skills, that this is intuitive thinking that all of my companions who have dementia are using. They are receiving all the sensory data that is being delivered in the present. Anything they can see, hear, taste, smell, or touch. And so if, if they lose one sense, and, and most people as they age are going to start losing some of their sensory abilities. Um, but it, like for your mom, she's losing vision. She might still be able to enjoy clouds and sky because that might be that far away. But take her places where she can touch things that are beautiful, like kittens or fabric or... Um, warm water or bubble baths or um, take her places where she can smell things that are beautiful. You know, like, like a lavender farm or, you know, because, yeah, you, you need to fill her present with beautiful experiences because, you know, it's the way the brain is designed. We, 
we can't just have nothing in our brains. if, If we have nothing going on, if we're not getting enough sensory data, enough input, then, then we get restless and we get cranky and we can't sleep at night. And, you know, I, I never understand, like, how come, like me, I haven't been diagnosed with dementia, but if I have to spend the whole day indoors in my office, by four o'clock, I'm restless, I'm cranky, and I really need to go outside and get fresh air, and, and I need sensory input. So if I had dementia, people would say I was sundowning, I was exit-seeking, and I was having combative behaviors and a personality change. Not true. It's just humans. And it's just the way it's our needs. You know, we're just people. Experience. One of the things I was planning on doing with mom yesterday until I found out she was AWOL yeah. was um, I had put out on social media that, okay, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with mom. I'm getting tired of going to the same places because she also says the same thing yeah. in the same right. place. And I've gone there enough times yeah. now. It's like, and three, two, one. Yep. There's <laughs> that coffee. It's just yeah. like, it, it's funny to a point, but then after a while yeah. you're like, it's, it's difficult. Cause I'm thinking about all the things I need to be doing. And my poor brain is spinning. Yeah. Going, I can't, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to shut that off. And it's, I'm, I've never been like, yeah. I'm not mindful. I can't meditate. It's like I cannot shut off my brain. If my brain is shut off, I'm yeah, asleep. See, getting dementia is getting to meditate. It get that means you, you live in the true. present because you can't escape it. You know. So if your companions are filling your present with beautiful stuff, it's just I. You know, when I get to do that with a client, my clients they just you know it's like the ones I get to teach that they're safe. You know, and this is all I can't go into detail about the Dawn method because you and I we just don't have time. But, um, <laughs> but when I can teach them that they're safe being confused and they're safe being with me in my care, they'll say, so where are we going? And I'll say, oh, I thought we'd go get hot chocolate because I know you love chocolate and so do I. And, and my client will say, oh, okay, that sounds great. And then count it, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. So where are we going? You know, and, and when they've learned they're safe with me, this is what happens. The third time they say, so where are we going? And then they catch themselves and say, you know what? It doesn't matter because I know you know. And I know whenever I'm with you, I have fun. So they've learned experientially. And, and that's part of our intuitive thinking skills. We learn through experience. And we can learn by rote and cognitively. But the intuitive thinking skills includes learning by experience. So, so you know, that's, that's part of my, the Dawn Method. That's my approach is is I'm going to utilize all the skills you have in your intuitive thinking skills. I'm going to fill your present with what makes you happy, what's beautiful to you. And then I'm not going to expect you to have an attention span. I'm going to direct it for you. And if I can keep you in your own home where you know everything, the location of everything, then you get to use the automatic thinking scripts and um, muscle memory for as long as possible. So your functioning will be higher. But, you know, so... It's really, um, if your job when you're with somebody is to find something beautiful that, that, and and this is one thing I would say to you about the the repetition, you know, um, and I haven't blogged about this and I haven't even, I I might have to write another book about it, but uh, (laughs) if if somebody's losing rational thinking skills and, and memory skills, they will lose knowledge of who the people in their lives are. So they become marooned in the present 
and they they are no longer able to know what who they were, what they've accomplished, what was really important to them, who they love, who loves them, and and what they did in life that was good, and they lose knowledge of all of that, and so they become they're, they're, they they get to the point where they don't know who they are. And I can't think of anything that would be worse. So this is what my job is. If I am the companion of somebody who's going to experience that, then I become the memory keeper. And so every time they repeat something, it's because it's an important part of them. And so those stories they tell over and over and over again, like for my clients, I memorize them. I memorize the words they use. I memorize the phrases they use. And, and so, like, when I have clients who become nonverbal and they're in the final stages and I go visit, I come into the room and I know they don't know who I am. And so I don't say, Mom, it's me. Or, you know, Mary, it's Judy. I've been your friend for eight years. You and I did all kinds of stuff. What do you mean you don't remember me? You know, I know who, what their skills are. And so I come in and I, I'm, they're looking at a stranger. So I say, hi, do you mind if I sit with you? And then I'll sit down beside them and, and usually my hands are cold. You know, so I'll say, yeah. oh man, feel my hands. My hands are so cold. It is so cold outside. It is so nice and warm in here. You know, so she'll reach out and touch my hand and all of a sudden she wants to warm my hands up. You know, so, so we'll be sitting there and she's warming my hands. And then I'll say, you know, you know, you know what? You're Mary and I'm Judy and you and me, we have done so many fun things together. Boy, I remember when, and I start telling her the stories of what we did together. And I tell it to them in their words, their, their phrases, their language, their stories. And, and, and I'll see them just start coming back to life. You know, and at first there's that kind of incredulous and they're, they're, thinking maybe and then pretty soon there's their eyes are sparkling and pretty soon they're chuckling and then they become verbal again the same thing happens if you give a person the music from earlier in their lives and this is where dan cohen's work with music and memories came from is he recognized that giving somebody music that was personal to them brought them back to life well that's because music is just like um, it, it, we access it with our intuitive thinking skills and and it touches us and it's an experiential learning thing. And if I tell you your stories, your memories, using the same phrases and words you gave me, then I activate your intuitive thinking and your experiential learning just like music does. And so so that's our jobs. You know, when we are when we've got a love going. And, and they are losing the ability to know who they love, who loves them, who their relationships are, then we become the memory keepers. And so, you know, you're going to start gathering her stories. And instead of saying, Mom, don't you remember? You say, Oh, Mom, I remember. This is one of my favorite times when you, I remember you did this and I did that. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I remember I was seven years old and you did this and, and, you know, so you tell her the beauty of her life. You tell her who she was, who you are, who you've been together, all she's accomplished and what a good life she's lived. And, and when you do that, people are not lost to dementia. It's, they're, they're there, but they just don't have the skills to bring that all by themselves. And so we have to do that for them. 
That's an excellent suggestion that I'm seriously going to try. There's only one story she repeats all the time. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before. So I'm not going to mention it again because, frankly, I don't want to hear it ever again. She actually had a friend in the memory residence. The first time she, we were, the three of us were together and she launched into the story, her friend said, you know, she like slapped my mom on the leg and said, you've told me that story 803 times. And I thought, oh, that's not cool. Is it a happy story or an unhappy memory? When she was pregnant with me, my father's mom, her mother-in-law, who was not a dog person and still pretty much isn't. My paternal grandmother is 101 and memory is fine. Sight is gone. Um, So when my mom was pregnant with me, my Nana said, well, now that you're having a baby, you'll be getting rid of the dogs, right? And it's pretty embarrassing when my mom brings that up in front of my Nana. (laughs) Um, Occasionally the story has morphed from now that you're getting married, you're going to be getting rid of the dogs, which I'd never heard growing up. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just yeah. confusion with the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's factual information. So she's yeah. going to lose so that's facts. kind of what I fear. I'm like, yeah. it's basically the same sentiment, just different details. And, and she could have said it both yeah. times. Yep. Okay. So, so think of that. So that if, if we've got stories or memories that keep coming up, Either they're, they're our happiest memories and stories that gave us our identities, or there's something that's uncomfortable and we can't quite lay it to rest. And, and the only way to help somebody lay it to rest when they're, you know, and if, if you've got all of your cognitive skills, you, you can kind of do it for yourself, but, but your mom doesn't have all her cognitive skills anymore. And here's, here's this experience, this story, this anecdote. It's not very pleasant. So what you do then is you tell her the rest of the story. You find a silver lining, some, something to be grateful for, and you finish the story for her every time it comes up. It'll take a few weeks, and then it'll go away, or she'll start telling the story with the new silver lining. I'll have to try that. It usually gets triggered. Um, I talked to a guest on um, dementia dogs or canine oh, caregivers. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, let me, I have three golden retrievers. The oldest one had gone with me to visit mom and he was very uncomfortable. He basically laid under the chair, wouldn't look at anybody. And all three of my golden retrievers think every person has come to see them, needs to see them. They, they, they don't ignore you. They're all, I mean, they're like almost crazy. So that was very strange. So I've never taken him back. The middle dog, the girl, has never gone, but the the youngest one, who is a rescue, when he is on his training collar and his leash, he's very mellow, and he's a little bit smaller because he was a rescue. He was malnourished, so he's not quite as big as a golden retriever should be. So I thought, well, let me take Remy and just, you know, he can be the dementia dog today and just kind of see how these other residents react. And I knew the story would come up (laughs) and I was right. Um, And there was one gal that just kept loving him and petting him. And just, I mean, it just made her day. And I just kind of made the rounds of the memory care. And then I thought, okay, you know, it's been 45 minutes or so getting close to an hour. And I know my neighbor has a um, therapy dog. Mm -hmm. So I know she's small. So I thought, okay, 
an hour might be the max. So I thought, okay, let me go over to the assisted living side and just see if there's anybody over there that would like to pet him. And it was about an hour and a half. And I'm like, okay, we need to, we need, I need to call this before the dog passes out. Right. Yeah. And I let her just tell the other residents the story that I don't like to hear anymore. But what I'll do is when my family and I, we bought a brand new house and we sold our house and the new house of course, wasn't done. That's how it works around here. So we lived with my Nana for three months and meant she had to live with two golden retrievers. And one, and we kept them. She had a, like a wrap around three season room or a sunroom. Yep. And that's, and it was tiled. So that's where we kept the dogs. Cause she had white carpet and she didn't want the dogs on the furniture and all that yeah. stuff. And that was fine. I respected yep. that. Well, one day I came out of the back of the house and she's leaning over the baby gates, petting the dogs. And I thought, uh-huh, I knew yep. I'd fix you. <laughs> Sensory stimulation. They're just, they're just beautiful touch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she just, you know, they're not barky, whiny, you know, they're just very happy yep. souls. And yeah. she just got used to having these four legged happy souls around. And, you know, yeah. I don't think she's ever going to be a total dog person, but it did, yep. it did turn her from a, I don't like dogs to, I can tolerate them a lot more. Yeah. So, so now you think about all of that, knowing all of this, when that story is told by your mom and it's uncomfortable for your Nana, it's uncomfortable for you to hear it over and over again. And it's uncomfortable for her companions to hear it over and over again. But for her, it's, she's stuck with it. Something needs to be resolved there. So she, it probably hurt her when Nana said that to her originally. So now what you can say is you let her tell the story and then you say, but mom, isn't that fabulous? Because Nana now loves dogs because Remy here um, made friends with her and she made friends with Remy. Or you can say, but mom, you let her tell the story and then you say, oh, mom, and isn't it fabulous? Because you didn't have to get rid of the dogs. And, and I love dogs too. So I grew up with dogs and now I love dogs. And now look at my beautiful dogs. So, you, you know, this is silver lining and this is taking you, everybody everybody and especially when people end up with um, losing cognitive skills and they're they're experiencing dementia then there are stories and there's chapters and there's events in our lives that we were not able to lay to rest and and if your companions will help you give you the end of the story help the story come to a conclusion a conclusion that you can feel good about then you can lay it to rest I will definitely try that because one, I'd never heard that. I used to be pretty good at disrupting that story, especially the fr- the first yeah. said the first time you've told me that story 803 times. Yeah. And then that was, I think in the fall. So in the spring, so a few months later, mom gets, I, you know, cause my mom's dog was with her until August, 2018. And mm-hmm the dog triggered the story. And the next thing you know, her friend is verbatim telling the story. And I'm like, this is almost a form of elder abuse here because (laughs) this lady who lives in a memory care residence, who's obviously doesn't have good cognitive skills is repeating this story because you said it to her. You've programmed this poor woman. O M G. I was just like, this is terrible. (laughs) 
I felt so bad for her. But your poor mom, she just keeps, you know, she needs resolution. She needs the story to have a good meaning. And no kidding, I'm almost 52 yeah. and a half, so she definitely needs resolution. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the weirdest, the strangest things show up. But many of my male clients, when, um, when they reached this last chapter in life, and they haven't been able, you know, they lived through World War II. Many of them fought in World War II. I've had a few where where the things that they couldn't face earlier in life now haunt their dreams day and night. And, and so they don't have the cognitive skills to deal with it. And they, experiencing dementia causes very specific emotional needs, you know, to lose skills is distressing. And so we need security primarily. And then we need help just getting well, a sense of well-being back. Um, but, but these men who've gone through World War II or who've fought in wars and they weren't able to talk about it, they weren't able to deal with it. The stories I've listened to, many stories I won't tell the family because it, it, it would be too hurtful for the family to know the stories. But when I was able to listen to the story and give the person resolution, I, you, you listen, you allow them to share it with you, and then, then you give them some additional fact that lets them perceive a good outcome, something to be grateful about. And that's really what all of us need. We need beauty in our lives. That's where quality of life is. But we also need to be able to tell ourselves the events of our lives as complete stories that have something to be grateful about. And, and if we can't experience beauty and gratefulness, you know, then, then we are not happy people. So it's, it's really that simple. You know, it's just to, when you hear these things that are not happy memories, help her resolve it. Give her something just to think about as, as a grateful, I'm sorry, to be grateful about. So no, that makes sense. I can go on forever. <laughs> well, I have one last question and then I'll have to sign off, but we might have yeah. to do this again. Oh yeah. One of my moms, she, you know, she's basically kind of getting into rote language yeah. and it's her intuitive skills are very hostess like. Yeah. So what oh, have yeah. you been up to today? What's your family up to? And when yeah. I answer what my family's up to, she gets confused because yeah. like I said, she doesn't remember who I am. So she doesn't remember yeah. her oldest granddaughter. I don't can't imagine she remembers my husband because like she hasn't seen him since Thanksgiving. So that would yeah. surprise me. So yeah. that's one of my frustrations is there is no conversation. So how can you use intuitive skills yeah. to enhance this, you know, polite hostess conversational what I don't even know what you want to call it but that's I mean literally you can sit there for two hours and those are the two things she'll ask you right yeah but see that's because she doesn't have conversational skills anymore because she's losing uh, she's losing her ability to recall the past so she, you know and if you think about a conversation whenever you're talking with people most of the time you're talking about what's already happened and what might happen in the future we never talk about the present, and the present is, is whatever you can see, hear, touch, smell, or taste in your immediate present. And your psychological present is three seconds. And so if you've lost the ability to use memory skills and go into the past, you, you've lost rational thinking skills, so you can't project yourself into the future, you live in three seconds. Good. And that is brief, but if... So, so you just have to say to yourself, my mom can't hold conversations. That's not her skill set any longer. 
because she's limited to three seconds. So what are her skills? Her skills are, are, are intuitive. And so that means beauty. She will respond very well to listening to music. And, and she to listening. actually doesn't. That is actually how this podcast kind of started. I really? went down the path of taking the old family albums with pictures of just my sister and I. There's only two of us. I'm yep. blonde, fair, and yep. never have been skinny since puberty. My sister yep. is dark hair, chocolate brown eyes, met, you know, olive skin, yep. has never weighed yep. as much as I do now. So yep. we're very, very different people. And she could not recognize which yep. kid was which in the pictures. And I thought, well, this is pretty weird. This is more than two years ago. Yeah, then that's, that's and then memory. so I tried with the music. I've tried. She graduated from high school in 1960. Yeah. So I've tried music from the late 50s, the early 60s, the stuff that I remember my dad playing when my sister and I were growing up. And the only thing she connects with is Christmas carols. Cool. See, but like if you think about it, each of us, you know, I'm not talking about just any old music. So like my friend um, Debbie and and we, she's the, um, her mom, Hazel, is in my second book, Dementia with Dignity. And, and uh, I've spent a lot of time in their household. And um, Debbie is a gerontologist and she works, she's one of the partners at Generation Connect. And they worked for quite some time with Dan Cohen and music for uh, music and memories. But um, what she did with Hazel is, is what, you, what, what really works is she thought about her mom and she thought, you know what, I'll bet mom likes big band. I think that's what I remembered from my childhood. So I'll just start playing uh, big band mixes of music on YouTube or on Pandora. And I'll bet she went through a couple hundred songs. And, and that's free streaming. So she didn't have to pay any money for anything. But every once in a while, she'd, pay, she'd play a hundred songs. And then all of a sudden, one song her mom would begin to tap her feet and start to sing along. And pretty soon her whole body's going and she's keeping time and she's smiling and she's happy. Sometimes she'd tell the story of when, what that song meant to her. Sometimes she would just be, you know, moving and happy singing along. Debbie'd write that title down. She'd go through another 50 songs and all of a sudden one song. Hmm. And her mom would come to life and start moving to the music and singing along and be really, really happy. Same thing. Debbie would write down that song and she got, she came up with eight songs out of hundreds. Oh my goodness. Those, so I haven't, I haven't do, done enough research then. Do the research, be the music detective, be the beauty detective and, and find those things. Cause if you think about yourself, how many songs really move your heart? You know, how many, when I think about my own, there's, there's, there's music that will, make me feel happy. There's music that will, will calm me when I feel upset. There's music that brings tears to my eyes every time. But it's probably only a dozen songs. You know, it's not just a genre or music in general. Or there's, a, there's for most of us, there's probably only like a dozen or less that really move us. Well, there's one song and the, the title is slipping my mind at the moment. My husband, because we were talking about this a few days ago and he goes, wait, there's this one song I remember mom mentioning and it took him a few minutes, but he yeah. did find it. Good. We have the Apple music subscription and yeah. he played it. And I'm like, yeah, I think that is a song that she'd recognize. So, okay. She has number a two. <laughs> she has a yeah. She has a dentist appointment next week. So I will make sure to get that song in my playlist 
Okay. So that we can play it on the way to the dentist because six months ago at the dentist did not go well. Okay. So that, they, here's step number two. The thing, the thing you got to know is when I'm that far into dementia, music outside of me doesn't touch me. You put headphones on my ears and it plays inside my head, it will move me. So that's, you know, you can go to the Apple store and they've got those pretty little headphones and they're kind of small, bright colors, like pink and green and pale blue. And you get her a pair of those, they're really soft and comfortable. You put one up to your ear and you say, oh, mom, oh, this is beautiful. Do you want to hear this? And let her have one up to her ear. And then, she'll, then if that's one of her songs, she will love it and she'll come to life. You could put the headset on her for the dental the whole dental uh, appointment and you'll have a completely different experience so oh, good well I'm glad we talked about that then because oh yeah I mean the experience six months ago was so bad I mean you know how it is you barely you're barely out of the chair and they're making your next appointment yeah they didn't want to make this next appointment and I said well let's let's make it and if I don't think she's <laughs> gonna handle it so this time I will sit with her but we'll yeah. I'll use at the very least I could put some Christmas tunes on Oh, and find find the ones that she loves. Find the ones that gonna be a Snoopy Christmas. That was my oh. dad's favorite. But I can make a playlist of Christmas tunes that but, she'll like. And if I don't have to listen to them in May, yeah, then we're okay. Because right. I took her to get her nails done before Thanksgiving. It was like the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And at the nail salon, it was Asian Christmas tunes. I believe oh, yeah. it was Korean, but. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't hold me to that one. And so for like two days, I had these crazy, it was the normal tune that I'm familiar with, but all the words were in something I'm not familiar with. And it was like, right. I, I kept yeah. like wanting to smack my head and like, can we get this out of my head? It's like, we you can't get it out. What you have to do is replace it. Yeah. I listened to yeah. a lot of podcasts cause I like to, you know, and that's what my mom did. She listened to talk radio or she'd have the TV on in the back of the house and the other, the other side of the house. So as she went about yeah. taking care of daily chores, there was always people yeah. talking. I'm like, man, I just do the more modern version of that. now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Plus I create my own. So no, that's, and I'll yeah. email you and see, tell you how that goes, but yeah. I'm, because now I'm gonna wait. Yeah, I don't want to leave you hanging. And <laughs> oh boy, I have taken so many people to the dentist, but uh, I have a really funny story about the dentist in, in my second. Okay, book. well, I'm so, definitely gonna pick those both up. My my uh, Alzheimer dementia book library is growing. A lot of people send me their books, and you know, I buy a lot of them. But um, one suggestion that I had yesterday, and I started to mention this earlier, was. Somebody had said, you know, they saw my tweet that said, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with mom and, you know, tune in to my Instagram story on Tuesday to find out what we did. And I had made the comment, I wish there was a botanical garden close by because you love that. Well, there isn't one, but this one person who is in Washington, D.C., so the far side of the country from me said, why don't you try this place in Brentwood? And it gave me the address. I'm like, yeah, I know that place. <laughs> <laughs> cool that is, don't you love the internet oh, yeah sometimes it's awesome but I'm like okay that's yeah. a little far from her because it's literally like drive to yeah. pick her up drive back this way you know so you're doing a lot yeah. of round and around driving yeah. and the gas is almost four bucks a gallon right now so even with a hybrid I don't yeah. want to do that but I'm like well maybe yeah. I'll just take her to Lowe's and go to the garden mm -hmm. department because one go for it we do that all the time I was going to do yeah. that next week but we have the stupid dentist appointment so 
music i do it this new week. music yeah. next week with the dentist and then we'll go i'm gonna have to replace yeah. my oregano plant i think i overwatered it because it died and i was gonna take <laughs> her and get a new oregano plant and look at flowers and smell flowers and you know yeah if she likes plants and flowers definitely keep all spring long you want to just go to all the different years yeah that's that's a we will definitely do that my clients um you know, most I take them to antique stores because you, know, you see stuff that reminds you of stories from your childhood. Mm. So what I always do, though, is I'll say, oh, you know, do you mind if we drop in here? Because I need a new hanky. <laughs> and they sell such pretty hankies here. You know, and then you can get a hanky for a dollar. And they think that you came for, on your behalf. And they're being helpful coming on your behalf instead of you trying to entertain them. But So anyways, it's, it's been just lovely chatting. Definitely. And I'm, like, really excited to read the book now. And there, that's, that says a lot because there's a lot of days where it's like, I need to do something then other than Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, and I'm yeah, a photographer, yeah. so that helps. But there are just, oh, well then, there's just yeah. days when it's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't think about it anymore. <laughs> I don't, that's I don't right. choose to read too many of the books because it's just one, you know, it's just sometimes I feel like I'm buried. In memory loss. You know, the thing for me, and just one last point, okay. I guess, is, is you know, there's two types of books out there. There and there's, I and nothing against the 36 hour day, but that is the book that depressed me more than any. Yeah, other I haven't book. finished that one. I do own it. <laughs> However, but there's two different sets of books. There's the books that are written from a medical perspective. And this is our typical, our, our default in America. We say, uh-oh, this person is acting differently. We better get a diagnosis. We get a diagnosis, and then we get a diagnosis, and it comes with symptoms. And then, then everything they do is a symptom. Combative behavior, personality change, wandering, restlessness, exit-seeking. Now, that's a medical perspective. And if you look at dementia from a medical perspective, it's going to be frustrating demeaning and debilitating and so stressful the opposite the other side flip the coin and look at it from a functional or a behavioral perspective and think about about dementia as something where it's a condition and we can't cure it so why bother with the medical perspective we don't have a cure we don't have treatments so so we're going to have to live with this condition and, and if you're experiencing it and I'm your companion, we're both going to live with it. So what then is going to happen? And, and functionally, I'm going to lose certain skills. And if, if my companion understands what skills I lost and what skills I keep, and then they work with the ones I keep, well, then you're supporting me. And that would be truly person-centered, strength-based care. And that over here, not the medical perspective, that's the experiential perspective. And so the books you read, the ones that are written from a medical perspective will depress you, will make you feel hopeless. The ones you read that are from a habilitative or an experiential or, or a person-centered perspective will lift your heart and give you wings and give you great ideas. So I, I can be a book report forever. I can give you a list. <laughs> so I, I'll let you go. I've kept you more than That's hours. okay. Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And I wish I had another hour. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to you chat too. with you, you have a fantastic day thank okay. you you too bye-bye thanks for tuning in i want to remind you 
If you need help right this minute, you have a question you need answered right now, you can contact the Alzheimer's Association 24-7 hotline. Their phone number is 1-800-272-3900. Thanks for tuning in to Fading Memories. And as always, I'll be in your ears again next Tuesday. Coming up in just a sec is a promo from another podcast that you might find helpful. It's called Angzenity, and it's about a gentleman who's been through all types of mental health struggles and how he managed to come out the other side. And it's a way for you to find ways that you can do better with your mental state. And I know caregivers need that. So I hope you enjoy. And if you like it, give it a listen. Do you or someone you know struggle through life with anxiety-related mental disorders? Ever get that feeling that you are one of the few? I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Take a journey with me as I talk about key points in my past and how they may have led to me being diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder. After which, we will talk about different ways to tone down the anxiety and maybe even beat it together on anxiety. The easiest way to remember the name is by thinking about how one searches for a state of zen in the midst of the anxieties of life. My name is Gerald, and I'm the host of Anxenity.